Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! Just another ho-hum week for the New York Jets. I was putting the rundown together. I started to, and I was like, ah, oh, man, we're going to have to like stretch or something this week. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> and then just like, boom, 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 boom. It just happens. That is life with the Jets. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets reporter at The Athletic. Marissa Morris is our producer and third host. I got to stop just calling you the producer, Marissa. It doesn't do you justice. You can call but... me whatever you want to call me. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> we do have a, We do. <laughs> happy to be here. We do the have boss. a packed rundown to get to today. Joe Douglas spoke this week. We'll talk about his comments. Zach Wilson, at this point, it's like he's getting piled on by former quarterbacks and all these people, mm. and we're going to talk about that. Uh, of course, the Bills preview picks. Zach pandering to the fan base did a story on Bryce Huff today. We'll talk about that <laughs> as well. Uh, but we are going to start with Zach going back to the trade deadline. Zach, you're spreading <laughs> fake news, fake news that I think you you thought upon tweeting, people will get a kick out of this. <laughs> they did. That's, but... <laughs> that's not how Twitter works. Well, 50% oh. of them did. The other 50% were like, <laughs> oh there's God, no way is. this is true. But just to, to let people know, Zach tweeted, if you missed it, back on trade deadline day. <laughs> I'm told the Jets were offered multiple first round picks for Chris Strebler, and they turned it down. And and like I said, half the replies, and it blew up. <laughs> the tweet did blow up. Half the replies are like, you know, having fun with it, blah, blah, blah. The other half are like, there's no way this is true. Uh, who are your sources like tagging other reporters to see if oh they've heard the same news that it, it kind of got some legs from there. So Zach, now, you know, that just like totally <laughs> exemplifies Twitter, right? Here. Oh my God. Right. So perfectly just, like people wanting to complain, people being like, believing anything they read, <laughs> not reading the room, not understanding sarcasm. Yeah. yeah um, well, sarcasm is lost on. Yes. Twitter. And yes. I'm a very sarcastic person, which yes. is often an issue on there. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, uh, that was something like like you mentioned. Somebody tagged a reporter, and the reporter clear, doesn't know me. I don't know him. <laughs> and his he, his initial tweet was, uh, "Let me check on this." Then he deleted that and said, "I think he's joking." So, <laughs> like, like I, am I that convincing of a writer? Maybe. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Zach. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna end that bit. I, I even had I had like I only have one person that tweets at me every now and then. Like the Strevler bit's getting old. I'm like, is it though? I had like three thousand no, likes not. on that tweet, buddy. <laughs> like, we, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I think we promised at the beginning of the season that we would talk about Strebel on every episode all year. So, yeah. I mean, we're yeah, not if even the, if the, the com if the commenters start coming in and saying that they hate all the times we joke about it, then we maybe consider stopping. But that's not. I happening. mean, it's People... been kind of relevant the past two weeks. So it yeah, it has. Like, yeah, you know. We we'll see what happens if he gets up. activated and, or not. And Flacco this was week. not happy about being the third quarterback, yes. correct? So, like, that was yes. something last week. We were just, mm -hmm. you know, speculating. So. We'll see. Amen. That's that's one of the things we we're going to get to, but we could throw that in right now. The way yeah. the way we're going, the fact that, yeah, uh, Flacco. I mean, he said he tried to say the right things, right? But it's pretty clear that yeah, he doesn't want to be the third, the QB three. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling he would. He like can't help but be like kind of honest for the most part, kind of thing with stuff like this. I mean, it's it's easy to understand why he's frustrated. So he was asked basically like. First, like, were you surprised? It's like, yeah, I mean, I was surprised and I was disappointed. And then he, tr then, you know, then he threw in the line, like, but I'm not going to try and make, you know, a big stink about it because I'm, I'm trying to be a good teammate and all that stuff. But yeah, he's, it's not, it's not like he did anything wrong. It's just, 
it was, it was funny. He, he was asked like, what was the reason they gave you? He, and his answer was whatever you guys got told is what I got told. <laughs> so he's basically, <laughs> he didn't even like pretend like, <laughs> like say the same thing. He's like, eh, whatever you guys said is probably what they told me kind of thing. Um, and what, what we were told again, like, again, I, Robert Sala like clarified it on Monday a little bit. It still doesn't make an, an, a lot of sense. It, if unless they just believe Mike White's better than Joe Flacco, I guess. Like I don't know. Like they they just want in the, in the event that Zach Wilson gets hurt, they want Mike White to be the guy that goes in so they can evaluate him. Essentially, that but is the definition is a, of a backup quarterback. So it makes, <laughs> it makes sense. The guy. Yeah. But yeah, I. But like, just to, I've never seen a team like do the second and third, you know, tango with shuffle. their quarterbacks before like the shuffle. Um, so that that part's weird and. You get why Flacco's like that, and, and I I do wonder if he hoped they would trade him at the deadline, or I don't know. Like this wasn't asked, but would he ask for a release at some point? Would he like this is a, would he want to retire? Like he's thirty seven. I don't get the sense he he thinks he could, still can play. So I don't know. It's a it's a weird spot, um, but who knows? You know, crazy crazier stuff has happened than a team needing to go to their third quarterback too. So I'm sure they want to keep him around. Well, there's always Strebler. Um, and there's always Trevor. Yeah. It, it is interesting. If he did ask for a release at this point, he's been a team guy. He's yeah. done what they asked him to do when he came in here. He's played some football. Do you think they would grant it? That's a very good question. Um, I don't know. That That's an interesting one. I I guess it would depend on like how st- if he was like, can you guys release me or I'm going to retire? Like then they oh, maybe let him go. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they've held steadfast in guys demanding things from them. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like it's different. Uh, that, that is when an interesting a conversation. Year receiver yeah. demands a trade, and totally. a thirty-seven-year-old quarterback. No, you're you're right, and I, I wonder if they would grant it. I mean, I don't I don't get the impression he's asked for that. Um, but it's a very interesting discussion, and and uh, and maybe they told him like we just want to get you know Mike White reps on like game day, like with, with the like with the twos. Um, but like if Zach Wilson actually got hurt, like you'd have a chance to start still. Like I don't know, I don't know what those conversations mm. are because like he wouldn't tell us, obviously. Um, right. But he is, he is certainly frustrated by it. You know, he, he signed with the Jets this offseason because he thought he was going to be the number two quarterback. I don't think he – I mean, they gave him more than, like, the minimum. So I, they, he probably would have anyway. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on at the very least. All right, let's move on and let's get to uh, Joe Douglas's comments. I can sum Joe Douglas's press conference up in one sentence. That is, Joe Douglas loves all of the Jets. Like that, that's her player. Yeah. <laughs> he, he loves Denzel Mims. He loves Elijah Moore. He loves Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. There's a lot of love going around with Joe Douglas. Um, <laughs> Just a big lovable guy. Around. Just a teddy bear. I mean, obviously he was asked about all those players, right? Why didn't you trade Mims and Moore? And he didn't trade Hall either. Yeah. Um, you know, what's going on with Zach? He didn't, say, he, he didn't his, say he loved him though. I don't know. Good point. Good point. What was, actually, I didn't see what was... Did was he asked about? No, he was not asked directly about Bryce Hall. It's honestly yeah. problem is it was on Zoom and that setting is always hard to like ask follow ups. And you know we were pretty yeah. focused on the Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore stuff, obviously. So, but yeah, that probably should have been asked. And um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's kind of like the Mims thing from before the season with Bryce Hall. I I think they see that um, he's a starter. They feel like he can start if they need him to. And so if like you know worst case scenario happens, guys get hurt. He goes in, you know, we saw that with Mims. I'm sure we're going to get into Mims because Salah was raving about him today. Um, they kept him because of the event that Corey Davis got hurt, and that's what happened. So worked out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and 
it sounds like from everything Joe says, more still part of this team's future. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it just wasn't the right time to to deal him. Who knows? Uh, we'll find out as the the future unfolds, I guess. Um, and and then we'll get into Zach in a minute. But let's talk about Mims and yeah. the the follow up. This is a guy who is obviously like it's been such an incredible roller coaster, and we've talked about him a lot lately on this podcast. Um, but now the coaches keep talking about him and he got 44 snaps last week. And now, uh, Robert Sala today saying more good things about this guy and what he's able to do. He's, he's kind of pulled himself back from the doghouse. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the right way to put it. I, you know, cause I, I so I asked Sala, like, what has he shown you these last few weeks? And Corey Davis is not going to play again this week. So he's going to have a role again. Um, and Sala interestingly, kind of interestingly pointed out that like three weeks ago, which I think is before Corey Davis had gotten hurt. He said like three weeks ago, it's like something clicked with Denzel or something flipped or, you know, maybe he got the feeling that he was going to play soon or something like that. Or maybe it's probably because the Elijah Moore stuff, honestly, because <laughs> um, I think that's around when that happened. Um, but he said something clicked and I get the impression he just started having some really good practices. Um, you could see that maybe he started working harder because, you, know, you know, when you hang the carrot in front of a guy that you might actually play, like I'm sure that helps. Um and so he, he he flipped the switch, uh, and then when they put him in in that first game without Elijah, he was really good in run blocking, as, as we we talked about after that pod. This last week, he had that great catch and run, still pretty good at run blocking. And and so then the follow-up that uh, was asked to Salah is if, if Mims is still going to have a role when Corey Davis gets back, and, and he pretty much said absolutely he will. And it's uh, it's such an interesting journey in the, in the career, life and times of Denzel Mims. <laughs> it's been such a up and down and crazy career for him so far. And he's only in his, in his third year. Um, but I think the talent is clearly there. And I've talked about this a little bit this week uh, with some people, but I'm, I am curious to see like if he keeps on this upward trajectory, uh, w- what this means for this off season, because they're going to need to clear cap space somewhere. Bless you, Marissa. I saw you just sneeze. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I um, myself. <laughs> uh, so Corey Davis is like a real candidate to like be a cap casualty next year. And I think you feel way better about that. He's a leader, so it's a tough cut. Uh, but, you know, that's the business. And if Denzel Mims keeps on this upward trajectory, he's clearly got a higher ceiling than Corey Davis, I think, with his athleticism. Um, so if you can just plug in Denzel and Corey Davis' spot, you don't have to go and spend money in free agency. don't have to use a high draft pick. You go into next season feeling really good about at least two of your receivers with Garrett Wilson and Denzel in theory. So um, I'm going to be very curious. That's one of the things I'm going to have my eye on over these last uh, nine games is Denzel Mims, his, his role, how much they use him, how he does with those reps, and like what that means for next year. Because he, he's one of the ultimate, like they could swing in a bunch of different directions on what they do in the offseason based on how he plays. You mentioned Corey Davis being you know a leadership guy on this team, but he's also been a guy who just can't seem to stay on the field. And you got to take that into account too. Like injured yeah. last year for a stretch, yep. now injured again this year. I mean, how many games can you depend on Corey Davis to play? from year to year. So I, I think all of that makes a whole lot of sense and, and maybe feel good about three receivers, depending on what happens with Elijah Moore here <laughs> the rest of the way, because obviously he's got the skills, right? I mean, the guy yeah. is, has the talent to be, to be part of a, what could be a great three guy receiving core. All right. Uh, more Joe Douglas talking about Zach Wilson. He said, look, we're four and one with Zach as our quarterback. I'm sure he'd say he'd want those throws back against the Patriots. Uh, he also had nine explosive passes in that game. There was a lot of good to take away from it. Uh, he basically said he wasn't as bad as people are talking about in that Patriots game. So he, th- you know, you can, 
you can look at things Zach has done and say, that was good. That was good. That was good. And it seems like at least what he's speaking about, that's what Joe is choosing to do right now. As far as his, uh, the, the public statements about Wilson is to, to focus on the little good things and not worry about the really horrible things and the overall performance that we've seen. Well, and I'm sure that's how they're trying to make themselves feel better on, on top of all of that, honestly. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. It's it's such a, it's kind of been, kind of had this conversation ad nauseum at this point. Um, although it was never as bad as it was on Sunday, but he's just, he's just so much better when he stays in the pocket and gets to the ball quickly than when he gets out of the pocket, spends more time. Like, I think there's been some stats this week that as dating back to as long as true media has like followed statistics, there's never been a quarterback who has like a worst EPA expected points at it, essentially like saying like, how, how good you are relative to like the average kind of thing, like a war kind of thing. Um, there hasn't been a worse quarterback when he holds the ball more than two and a half seconds in the last like 22 years than Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can point out the stuff that he does well. You know, he had that throw to Garrett Wilson. He had the touchdown pass to Tyler Conklin. The talent is clearly there, but there's more bad than good these last few weeks. And it's concerning. You know, like, again, this this is stuff that we talked about, but, you know, you can keep saying he's playing good defenses and that's fine, but eventually you have to overcome that. You're the number two overall pick. Like he, he should, it's, it's, it's weird because this draft class of quarterbacks has been a disaster. Like everybody from that class isn't playing particularly well. Um, but he, they drafted him to be their guy and he hasn't really shown that he's ready for that yet. And the, we're going to keep talking about this all year. If they keep losing, this roster is good enough to win games. If he is average or if he is good, and he, if he is bad, then they're not. He's the he's the X factor. The quarterback is the X factor, and it, it's a it's a weird it's an unfortunate spot to be in because it's the most important position, obviously. <laughs> but um, he hasn't shown me enough to believe that he can turn it around yet. And you hope he does. You know, he's still young. Uh, some of his mistakes are fixable. I think a lot of the stuff like you, you talked you, you mentioned how some quarterbacks have been criticizing him. Like Dan Orlovsky had a pretty good like breakdown of. I think it was the second. Or maybe it was his first pass of the game. It was the uh, yeah, it was the first pass of the game. First pass, game. yeah. The, the second quick... one was the Mims. Yeah, the first one was yeah, the Carter. It was... it was like so his first read, his first option or whatever was obviously Michael Carter, like a quick screen. Um, and Zach Wilson just like he looks forward, he sees like there's a defender there, and he and his when he so when he snaps it, he just immediately turns and throws it to Carter, just knowing that's where he's supposed to go. He doesn't look that there's a defender right there. It's a bad throw, bad incompletion. And, and that's like an example of some of the things that maybe isn't getting talked about as much as the when he gets out of the pocket and when he makes a bad throw and picks it off. I think the more concerning thing, honestly, is that stuff where he's not good at getting beyond his first read. When his first read's not there, a lot of the time he's uh, his reaction is to immediately start running out of the pocket. Sometimes you have to if the pressure's there. I don't think every single time he's had a run away. Um, and yeah, so that so you've seen a lot of plays where guys are open downfield. He's not seeing them. Um and that's concerning like that, like, you know, a lot of people want to compare him to the Josh Allen stuff. I don't think Josh Allen was making the same sort of mistakes that and he was also a physical freak and he can break guys, you know, when he's running, he can break tackles and all that stuff. So it's, it's not really a fair comparison anyway, but um, I don't know. It's uh, if he doesn't overcome that part of it where he, he's not good, like he can improvise in the sense that he can get out of the pocket, but can he improvise in the sense that finding the second, third, fourth read when the first one's not there and, he hasn't really shown that yet. And that's, that's a concern. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah kind of spoke to that. He said last week uh, from NFL network, Wilson spending 80% of his time trying to create 20% of his time being a distributor 
that needs to flip, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. Like, don't you don't have to be the star. Just get the ball to the talent that you now have around you. Like there was a time this franchise probably needed the quarterback to be the 80 percent creation guy. But that's not true right now. And then um, kind of more. And th this was kind of a different comment, but Ryan Fitzpatrick also speaking out, criticized that the Jets had to bring in John Beck last season. People yeah. quickly jumped on that and said, you know, Greg Knapp was supposed to be the guy who was kind of, you know, helping Zach come along in his rookie season. And of course, tragically, you know, Greg Knapp passed away and then they scrambled. They ended up with John Beck. Like, but Ryan Fitzpatrick called that a red flag, basically, that they had to do that and that it was coddling. Um, of him the one guy that to defend Zach Wilson this week Josh Allen who came yeah. out and said you know what in my second season I threw three <laughs> interceptions against the Patriots too so he made the Josh Allen was... comparison <laughs> <laughs> and he said that that was a turning point for him throwing three picks against the Patriots so yeah uh, I, I th you know. yeah I thought I thought that was the most interesting part of the quote it, he wasn't necessarily even saying that like Zach can be like me it's more like that's where like your eyes open up maybe a little more and you're like, all right, I can't do that again. Um, but the worry with Zach is that he's thinking too much anyway. Um, oh God, <laughs> Connor is in the back. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. Second <laughs> week in a row. He misses us. We know <laughs> it. He said hi. Hi Connor. Big dubs this weekend I saw. No <laughs> chance. No chance without Dunn making the plays he did. No <laughs> he's talking about Michael Dunn being the key to the Browns victory. <laughs> 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 a classic Connor chime in there. <laughs> these, these pods at the facility, Zach. I don't know. You might have to. I know. You might have to wait till you start I, going. I, home. I was, I was like, all right, maybe he's not going to come in today. He he knows I'm in here. Maybe he's oh, not coming he's in. Oh, he's 100 watching, like waiting for the perfect time. We know how he operates. <laughs> what were we even talking about? I don't even know. <laughs> um, Zach Wilson. The Josh Allen comparison. Oh, yeah, the Josh Allen. Allen. <laughs> all right, Josh yeah. Allen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you don't want you don't want Zach to be like overthinking everything, which he already does. So I don't know. It's this is gonna really. I think we're really gonna find out what he is these next few weeks, like how he responds to what just happened. Because everybody's saying he doesn't listen to all the noise. He says he's not on social media. It it's he's finding out about it. Everybody is talking. It's a national thing now. It's not just New York. It's not just us criticizing him. It's Dan Orlovsky. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He he did it again. Not even just the comment that I saw. He he was in the pregame show yesterday. He was talking about Zach Wilson in the same way, like pretty much the same comment. Um, Arlovsky, I think Kurt Warner tweeted about him. Um, I'm, I think they're talking about him all like the shows on ESPN and stuff like that. So like everybody's talking about him. He certainly has heard about it. Um, so how he responds to this, how do you respond to everybody doubting him, everybody criticizing, him, everybody saying he's awful outside of the pocket? Like if he doesn't change the way he approaches those situations, then it's on him at this point. Uh, and so it's good if he were, if he can respond to this in you know, a couple years from now, he can point to this game as a turning point for him. Then everybody would be very happy with that for sure. All right. One more thing back to Joe Douglas and the trade deadline is the fact that they actually did make a trade last week. We should touch on that. Uh, Jacob Martin, um, sent to the Broncos, uh, he will help fill the void left by Bradley Chubb, who was sent of course, from the Broncos to the dolphins. It basically is a, uh, pick swap where the jets end up with a fourth rounder instead of a fifth rounder in the 2024 draft, not next year's draft. Um, so some draft capital down the road. Um, I saw some grades that were fairly negative on the jets on the fact that, Hey, Jacob Martin's a guy that they gave a, a contract to here in the off season. 
and now you're just moving up a, a slot basically around to get rid of him and that maybe they didn't get enough back for him that said I mean, it's an obviously it's a it's a position where the Jets have plenty, and this will lead us to Bryce Huff afterwards. But how, how did you kind of view this one, Zach? Yeah, I get the contract thing, and they they gave him a three year deal. I think they really did envision like a role for him in the in the pass rush. Um, but that, they signed him before the draft, which is it's always like a weird thing about NFL free agency is that it's like a month and a half before the draft. So they signed Jacob Martin, not knowing they're going to draft Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens in the draft. Um, you know, and then, and then there is the Bryce Huff factor. He's, he, they didn't play him the first three weeks and he's really made an impact in the pass rush, which is what pretty much what I wrote about. And, um, and so they, they have Jermaine Johnson coming back off injury. They have Bryce Huff who they feel like they need to have out there. And so there's not really going to be snaps for Jacob Martin. He's a veteran pass rusher. There's some value in that. Yes. You're, you spend some money on him and there's going to be like a two and a half million dollar dead cap penalty. I think next year you do save a little bit of money. I think it's pretty valuable moving up from the fifth to the fourth. Like I, I tweeted this. I think, it, I think it's more valuable to do that than even get like a late round, like seventh or sixth round pick or something like yeah. that. Yeah, because you're. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, you have a better chance of getting yeah. a good player the higher in the draft you are. So then that's right. the goal at all times. So and I get like if more picks in in theory looks good on paper if you're making a trade or something. But I, uh, I, I was fine with the trade. I, I think it made a lot of sense. They, they have a surplus of pass rushers, which is a good place to be at. Um, and now it's gonna be interesting to see how that rotation looks. Because he, he was playing probably like, you know, 10, 15, 20 snaps a game. I think he played double the snaps of Bryce Huff. So there is some snaps there to be had. Vinnie Curry is back. So that kind of chops away at some of it. But um, Jermaine Johnson, I think, is going to start playing a, a role, a bigger role as the season progresses. And and then you have Huff, who literally is producing pressure at a better rate than pretty much anybody in the league, although it's in a, in a specialist role. But it is pretty wild. And you just like look at the analytics of how he's played. Let's get into that. You yeah. wrote a story. It's out today on The Athletic, by the way, if you want to read it and you're not a subscriber yet, you can join The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait and you can read the story that Zach just put out this morning. Um, you got a lot of analytics in there. Um, good quotes from teammates about this guy. Um, the one thing that off the top that stood out is how fast or quick, I guess, is the yeah. word, right? How quick yeah. he is off the line. Uh, because no one is quicker now granted it is a limited number of snaps so yeah exactly he's, yeah he's ready to go when he's out there but he is quicker across the line of scrimmage than any other defensive front player in the nfl right now yeah 0 0.65 seconds i think it's per next gen uh miles garrett is second in 0 0.7 seconds um so like a like a half a second is like you know a lifetime when you're rushing the passer like that's not like Again, Miles Garrett is playing every snap and, um, you know, he, he has to go on rundowns and stuff like that. Like Bryce Huff, when he gets out there, all he has to do attack the quarterback. Like that's all he has to do, which helps for sure. But he, his speed and his athleticism is is what makes him such an interesting player. Somebody said Dan, Dan Botter just said twitchy. I think that's a good way of putting yeah. it. Um, and I like I like straight up asked him, like, so how do you do that? And he and he, and he like told me he's like, so I have, you know, I listen to the, the cadence of their of, if they're going to do a hard count or if they're going to snap right away i'm i'm looking at the quarterback as soon as it snaps i like i can tell when it's about to snap and i'm good at i don't think he's really i don't even, i'd have to double check but i don't think he's been penalized for a neutral zone infraction this year um so he he's he just like knows his job and he does it really well and that that's he's the kind of guy that winning teams have a guy that is really good at his role like they don't they don't need him to be a run stopper because they have the other guys to do that so he comes in on third down he makes an impact every single time. The numbers back that up. 
I, I, I think the the stat that jumps out uh, was from True Media when, when he's when he's like not in the game and when he didn't play those first three weeks. I think they were getting pressure like thirty one percent of the time. When he's on the field, since he's been back, they get pressure fifty percent of the time. So like half the snaps he's in there, they're even if it's not him, like they're getting pressure on the quarterback. So that's you know he's he's a valuable piece to have. He's young, um, he's an undrafted guy, so he doesn't cost much. So he he's a guy that. Uh, you know, like I said, that that's kind of like role player that winning teams have, and uh, it, it's it's been impressive to me the way that that those first three weeks didn't really deter him, and he came he came right out, has made an impact as a as a pass rusher. I'm curious to see what it would look like if he started to play more, like if there were injuries or whatever, if they asked him to do a little more, if he could handle that, because if he could if he could become a good run stopper, then you have a very solid starting defensive end. So he's a he's he's a good piece to have for the future, and somebody that I think they'll try and keep around. Yeah, that's one thing that that I wonder about is like if the snaps increase, does the production yeah, what, what would it look like wane yeah. a little bit? And it, I will say this: like early in the season when they weren't getting at the quarterback and and all that stuff, there was criticism about the rotation that Robert Sala yeah. likes to run. Right? You that, haven't really heard that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, and but Bryce Huff is an ex- perfect example. Yeah. Of what's good about that, right? That you have a guy yeah. like this that you can have out there for. 12 snaps a game. And for those 12 snaps, he's an absolute beast. Um, and who knows what he would do if he had 25. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's like the balance here because they obviously see how good he is in those snaps, but you also have to wonder like if, if like the team just blocking him every play or whatever, then are they going to be able to stop him better? Cause you're preparing for him as opposed to you throw him out there when they don't expect it, or even when they do expect it. And you have this very fast guy who, you know, maybe he just replaced Vinny Curry, who's more of a, a strength guy, and that those are two wildly different skill sets. So that that, like you said, that it's a perfect example of the benefit of the rotation. And uh, and the, the thing is, thing about this rotation is they have they have the players to do it too. Like they, pretty much everybody they wrote in in there. I mean, maybe not Nathan Shepard. I don't know if he should be playing as much as he is. He hasn't been so bad that like you've noticed them though. So they have all these guys that are good enough to play. So. You get Quinn Williams a breather every now and then. You get Carl Lawson a breather. You get JFM a breather. And so then in the fourth quarter, uh, which is why the defense has been so good in the fourth quarter, they they get pressure. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to be interested to see if Huff's role increases at all with Martin Gunn. I think that's something to keep an eye on. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll preview the Bills game and also make our picks for week number nine. We'll be right back. All right, this is going to be a, well, it's a big game, obviously. It's the Bills. They may be the best team in the NFL. Uh, They're certainly the best team in the AFC East. The Jets have lost two in a row. You know, Chris Berman used to always say nobody, uh, what did he say? Now I lost the line. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of it. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Well, it's time for the... New York Jets to circle the wagons the way things have gone the last couple of weeks, the criticism of their quarterback. Here is a chance to kind of shut everybody up. If you can go out there and beat a team that is planning to play in the Super Bowl later this season, that said, it's going to be a really tough task. So let's get into it a little bit, Zach. Let's start with Josh Allen. Might as well start there. He's the guy that makes it all work for this Buffalo team. Um, and when you think about Josh Allen, and we talked about him a little bit earlier. It wasn't immediate. He wasn't a star as a rookie. It took a couple of years. But now he is maybe the best quarterback playing right now in the NFL. Um, the strength of this Jets defense, besides that front, is the cornerback. To get DJ Reed and Sauce, we've talked about it so much. 
Um, the Bills are averaging the most yards passing in the league, 314 yards per game. Stefan Diggs, obviously a superstar. He's over 100 yards and a touchdown per game. Um, this is That's where I think the, the most fun when you think about this game is, right, is Josh Allen versus Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Yeah, so I was on the Bills podcast. Marissa, what's the name of it? Just so you shout it out. The Buffalo Beat. The Buffalo Beat uh, with with Joe. Um, Joe Biscaglia. Yeah. Joe Biscaglia. Didn't want to say his name wrong because you know I'm bad with names, so I just try to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was on there because he, he was talk. We were talking about how he asked me like who was like the who are who's like the top receiver that um, Sauce Gardner has gone against so far. I said Jamar Chase, and he did a great job against him. And he he was saying about how. Stefan Diggs is is funny in that if you're a corner that talks a lot of trash, that almost gets like Stefan Diggs more riled up and makes him yeah. want to beat you even more. Like and yeah, the other ago. day, yeah, yeah. Or, whatever uh, or he said against the Packers, uh, with yeah, Jagger the Packers, Alexander. Jagger, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's gonna like let you know if he beats you, kind of thing. And so I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. And I think this is gonna be, you know, we talked about with the Packers game that the matchup was more like Sauce versus Aaron Rodgers than like Sauce versus whoever their receivers were. And I, I think this one is a combo, which makes it the hardest matchup he's had this year. He's not going to be on digs the whole time. They're going to move digs around. They'll, Gabe Davis is very talented as well. But Sash Gardner versus Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is about as hard as it gets in the NFL. Maybe maybe the hardest matchup in the NFL, honestly. Um, so seeing how this secondary holds up with their hardest, toughest test yet is going to be very interesting. This is this is going to be like the real test of like how good this defense is because I think they've proven they're good. But are they elite? And you you know if you're elite, if you can stop the top quarterback in the league, arguably, the top receiver in the league, arguably, really good running game. Um, Gabe Davis is very fast. They have a good offensive line. Like this is this is gonna be a real test. And if they want a chance, I mean Zach Wilson obviously is the number one key. If if he doesn't turn it over, you have a chance at any week. But if the defense can force a Josh Allen turnover, if they can keep them out of the end zone, um, like that, this is their best chance of winning is by doing it via defense. Maybe you get some points on defense. Like that's. If you want a major upset or if you want to keep it close, it's going to be Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Quinn and Williams, somebody up front. It's going to be somebody making a play that causes a turnover. And if that doesn't happen, if they don't force any turnovers, they don't have a chance. We talk about getting to the quarterback, and Allen's only been sacked 11 times this year. Part of that is his escapability. Part of that is they have a pretty good offensive line. Part of it is you can't bring him down once you hit him, too. Um, there's all of that. He's just a hard guy to deal with. Um, but you have to be careful too. And that's one thing that I assume that they're preaching at jets camp all week this week is like, it needs to be a controlled rush, right? Because he can escape, he can burn you. He's averaging over 40 yards rushing a game. I think, uh, this season. So you need to get pressure on him, but you can't leave the lanes. Yeah. Is there any world where they even use like a spy or anything like that? Or is it just up to these linemen to not lose their lanes? It's a it's a good point because I think you even saw with the Patriots last week there were some there were some spots where Mac Jones just had a free lane and he and he got some yards. Um, they don't blitz. The Jets are never going to be a team that blitzes. So it is going to be interesting to see if they if they do have a spy of some sort because Josh Allen there could be a guy there and he can run through them like he's a, he's a specimen. He's six six two sixty like they don't make guys like him. He's he's maybe the first him and Cam Newton are probably the only quarterbacks ever where you could be like you're not scared when they run the ball. Like you're scared when Zach Wilson runs the ball. Right. You're scared when Lamar Jackson even runs the ball. Sometimes he's he's faster than everybody is the difference. But um, that's the thing. The play is never over with the Bills. Obviously, you have to defend everybody on the field. And so if uh, if they let Josh Allen get going on the ground, it's it's going to be a long day as well. So that 
that's the thing. They need a when they're attacking Wilson. I mean, attacking Allen. Sorry, when they're getting after him, like in the even if they're pressuring him, like they have to keep in mind the possibility he's going to get by them. So you hope that they're able to counteract that in some way, and it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. You said it. I mean, if they're going to be in this game, it has to be low scoring because let's flip things to the other side of the ball. Even if, even if we get the Zach Wilson performance that we kind of all hope for, you know, seeing this Jets team continue to progress against this Bills defense, that's not going to mean like twenty-eight points. Probably, it's going to maybe you know maybe seventeen. Uh, I don't know, yeah. but like it's going to be it's going to be tough. We've we've talked about Zach Wilson. It's oh, it's always a good defense. Well, here's another one. Um, so how does how does he kind of turn things around? Um, the Bills defense, the secondary is great. Um, and they can get to the rush, the quarterback as well. Greg Miller and Von Miller, 11 sacks. The the secondary has 11 picks this season. Um, so you, what, what do you think the game plan is to attack that defense? Cause it is a, it's a defense that it's not like some defenses. This jets team has faced where they're great against the run, but you can probably pass on them or vice versa. It's solid against both. So, there's no Brees Hall. How do the Jets attack it? Yeah, I mean, they don't have many weaknesses. I would say if they do have one, it's at safety because both their starters might be out. Um, so I I think you see a lot of tight ends. I think they probably are going to run a lot of 12 personnel. Maybe Conklin has a big game or they target him a lot. Again, like I say, every week, get manufactured touches for Garrett Wilson. In theory, you should do that for Elijah Moore. I don't, doesn't really, I don't really know what his role is at this point. Um, but they need to get the running game going. They didn't get it going last week. They kind of got away from it. You don't have Brees Hall anymore. Like you mentioned, you have a couple of guys that can grind out tough yards. These aren't guys that are going to get 25-yard runs. But if you can if you can grind away some clock, I, I've been saying all week, if they want a chance at winning, I think they have to score first. Like I, I really think getting ahead is not – you're not going to be able to come back against the Bills because uh, I don't think they let up. So if, if you can get ahead 7-0, 6-0, two field goals, something like that, and you can run out the clock, keep Josh Allen off the field as much as possible – don't turn the ball over, you know, maybe protect a little bit better than they did last week. I think Von Miller's banged up. So maybe you hope that he can't wreck havoc as much as he normally would. Uh, I'm doubtful on that, especially if he's going against Cedric uh, on the right side. But um, yeah, you know, they basically have to run a perfect operation. They don't need to be perfect in terms of like making 50 yard plays every play, but they need to be perfect in the way that they don't make mistakes where they shoot themselves in the foot where Zach Wilson just airs the ball out as he's trying to throw it away and, you know, or guys fumble it or guys drop it. Like they need to make the plays when they're there because they're not going to be there that often. How much last we've talked about special teams this year and how it's generally been good for the jets. Not last week, missed a field goal, made mistakes. How big would a special team something this mm. week, right? Like you talked about, you know, getting a defense touchdown, um, a special teams turnover, yeah. um, a big return. Uh, they they can't miss a field goal. Like Zerline has to be perfect. Yeah, that's going to be key too. Yeah, and Br- Braden Man needs to play better. He's he hasn't really been yeah. putting the defense in because they're going to punt l- yeah, last week. They're yeah, going to have to punt. So he's kind of an X factor in a way. Uh, although the, the Bills can move up the field anyway. But um, so yeah, the special teams. Yeah, if they could get blocked field goal, uh, you know, force you know a muffed punt or something like that, like that. That would be huge. Their special teams has been really good other than last week. And and maybe the, not the Browns game, the one before that. I can't remember who it was at this point. Was that the Ravens? Yeah, because that was week two. So the Ravens game, special teams is bad. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll that be, I mean, defense and special teams has kind of been the formula for them all year. And it, it, it will be on Sunday as well if they want to win. 
All right, let's move on to our pick segment presented yeah. by BetMGM. As always, we welcome in a listener this week. It is Stuart Chalawa. Chai. I already got it wrong, Stuart. We even practiced before we started. Chalawa, right? Chalawa. I got it. All right. Uh, Do Stuart? we have to mention? Yes. Go ahead, Marissa. No, you can take it away, Tim. <laughs> you know, I was going to bring my hat, but Stuart, a Syracuse guy. Um, yeah, and he's so the guy we spoke schools. about a couple of weeks ago who ran into Zach in the airport, right? Very I cool. Said, yes. I, I accosted him. At the <laughs> no, no. It was a pleasant surprise. That's awesome. We love, we love to hear. <laughs> but yeah. So now we've had Arizona, Maryland, and Syracuse. It's just, who would have thought that we had fans from each of those schools? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Uh, the, the orange have fallen on hard times here after the six and zero start, although still ranked number 20 in the new, uh, go. playoff rankings. Uh, but back-to-back losses to Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, Stuart, are they going to turn things around this week? I hope so. I'm yeah. I'm optimistic. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> the uh, the listeners have kept things going, too, as we, uh, on YouTube, taking a look at the standings for the Pick'em so far. Um, I'll read them off for those of you who are listening. Uh, one and two uh, last week by Seamus. So he, he opened the door, a crack for us, and we did not for the most part, capitalized. But uh, Seamus was one and two. He got the Eagles right. We all, well, three of us picked the Jets last week. That was mm-hmm. maybe a big mistake. Marissa stayed away <laughs> from it. Uh, but overall, the listeners still in the league, 13 and 11 for the year. Zach, 12 and 12. Then it gets ugly. I'm 10 and 14. <laughs> Marissa back Marissa, and bottom. Marissa, <laughs> 9 and 15. Not Me and Marissa, good. 1 and 2 last week as well. Zach, you bounced back a little bit. 2 and 1 last week. Jets actually the only game that you got wrong. Um, and with that, we're going to uh, – one more question before we get to the, the actual picks from you, Stuart. I know, obviously, a Syracuse fan. That makes you a great human being. Uh, <laughs> but how did you become a Jets fan? My dad was a fan. I started watching probably back in the like mid-'80s, Ken O'Brien times. Um, then uh, after I graduated school, got a job, bought tickets. Uh, I've been going to the Jet games pretty consistently since 2004. I haven't – I probably make about six to nine games a year with oh, nice. one road game. So that's it's awesome. Been, it's been an interesting ride the last 10 years, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully things are going to be on the up and up soon. They have a ton of, ton of talent. So I'm optimistic. How has this if you're... year felt different like than the past few years? This is uh this year, this roster, uh, for, they have, a, they have so much young talent. Mm-hmm. Like, even when you look at the Mark Sanchez years, those guys were hired guns. These are a lot of, young talent under 25. So this year's sense of optimism that I feel hasn't been there in a number of years. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the wall behind Stuart too, which is impressive down in the, I guess the man cave, so to speak, but uh, the wall is green too. Is that, is that because of the jets or is that a coincidence? You have a lot of jets footballs up there. And you can see I have a piece of the 2003 uh, floor from the Syracuse national championship. Oh, Hey, very Very nice. Carmelo and company. Um, Awesome. All right. With that, let's, let's move on to the picks. And because of the listeners are still in the lead, Stuart, you get to go first. All right. We're going to start with the, uh, the Vikings minus three at the commanders. I just think the Vikings are a way better team than them. They're also relatively healthy. Uh, Washington beat Indy 17, 16 and Sam Ellinger's first start. I think Kirk cousins is way too much for them to handle their average margin of victory is over a touchdown. So, I'm going to go with the Vikings on the road at the Commanders. And then I'm going to go with the uh, the Chiefs at home minus at 11 and a half against uh, the Titans. 
I know Tannehill didn't practice yesterday. I don't know if he's going to practice today. If he doesn't play, Malik Willis was like 6 of 10 for yeah. 55 yards. That's uh, that's not going to cut it against uh, Kansas City, even if Tannehill is playing. Uh, they're not built to play from behind. They need to run the ball, and uh, I can't see them keeping up with the uh, Kansas City's offense. And then finally, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus two at Arizona. Just think the Seahawks are really playing great right now. Watching Geno Smith play makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He had yeah. one. He had he had one last week that Tyler Lockett dropped. It would have been even worse than it was. It was a walk-in touchdown. Um, he's playing at a very very high level right now, which is, you know, it's really great to see because you know he's taken his lumps and he was patient. So good for yeah. him. And uh, I'm going to take them with the two on the road at Arizona, who they already beat by ten earlier this year in Week Six. Yeah. I have that one. The uh, BetMGM has the Chiefs minus 12 and a half, but Stuart, we'll give you the 11 and a half. <laughs> I'll take 12 and a half. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes Tell down me. to that point, we'll negotiate, but yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> it won't one way or the other. Uh, all right, Zach, you're up next. All right, I'm going to go Dolphins minus four against the Bears. I think the Dolphins are looking really, really good right now, and the Bears seem like they're tanking. <laughs> Although, I mean, I guess they traded for Chase Claypool. Um, I'm gonna I do this I'm gonna, pick for just to infuriate yeah, Packers fans. I yeah, think they yeah. did that. Just to... yeah, I'm gonna go Seahawks plus two as well. The fact that they're underdogs against the Cardinals is wild to me. Yeah, um, I uh, and there's a couple other games that intrigue me. Uh, but I will go with I'll say the Panthers plus seven and a half against the Bengals. The Panthers have been pretty competitive since they fired Rule. The Bengals don't have Jamar Chase. They are pretty banged up across the board. So I'll go with that one. They looked terrible on Monday yeah, night, of course. Awful. Connor would say that was all because of Michael Dunn and else. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, the Browns rolled over them. All right. Um, I have one pick from each of your guys' picks, so we'll, we'll get into that. Here we go. Vikings. I got minus three and a half Vikings at Washington. I actually have three road favorites here. I hate going for all these road teams, but every week I feel like I do things that I should. I purposely know I shouldn't, and I still make the picks. Vikings minus three and a half. Uh, Dolphins minus four at the Bears. And then my third one, Packers minus three and a half at Detroit. I I just feel like eventually, right? Like they can't be this bad all season. Uh, If you're going to right the ship, it's at the team that you've just whipped for 20 years, right? The Lions in the division. So uh, Packers minus three and a half uh, will be my third one. Marissa. Well, I'm not doing that great this year. And I have a combination of literally every single one of you. I don't know if you know that. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> He's just jealous. He's gonna edit on out out. there, like edit him out of the out of the. Seeing audio. nothing, he talks every day about how practice is pointless. So he's sitting out there, like oh, all my friends are talking with. Him. Yeah, yeah. How can I? How can I be funny and go in there? What should I say? Yeah, he thought the whole walk back what he was gonna say for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I have a combination of literally every single one of you guys. Um, I have Seattle plus two. At Arizona, Green Bay minus three at Detroit and Panthers plus seven and a half uh, at Cincy. So I don't know. Maybe that's a good sign for me that like I'm <laughs> on your guys' wavelength because my wavelength has not been correct this year. But long season, long season. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. So We're turning it around this week. We're getting yeah. things going. Uh, pick things up. Uh, all right. I think that's it. Any uh, We already talked about Strebler. Anything else, Zach, to add before we... Uh, not Game predictions, I, can... I think. Oh uh, yeah, I guess I. Okay. I think the prediction I've been saying was uh, Bills thirty-one, Jets seventeen. 
which would be Bills covering, right? The spread right now is 10 and a yeah. half. Is that right? Yeah, Bills. So Bills would cover, yeah. Um, so that's the thing that spreads killer because I could see with the Jets defense, they hang around for a half. Yeah. But then I just feel like late away in this game. Half, yeah. yeah, Buffalo, it gets away from a little bit. So I, I think you're right on there with that. Uh, Stuart, final thoughts on the game? It's going to be a tough one. Um, it's going to be all about turnovers for the Jets over the last few weeks. You know, for them, it's all been about special teams and explosive plays in the running game. And the loss of Brees Hall has just been, it's been, it's been a real killer for them. Hope, uh, hopefully, Zach can play a clean game. And the, as you said, the defense keep him in it late in the fourth quarter. Hopefully, the Jets uh, can pull one out. But it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. We will talk all about it next week. I think as of now, we are scheduled for Monday morning for the next episode, unless there's something comes up between now and then. But that's the plan. Uh, Monday morning, be back with us. We'll break down the Bills game. We'll talk about what went right, what went wrong, and all of that here on the Can't Wait Podcast. Talk to you.